Are you interested in making your own podcast? If you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. It's free. They have creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or your computer. Anchor will then distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcast, and many more. You guys can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. And in fact, I'm using Anchor and I love it. If you're interested, download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Good morning, everybody. This is Heidi St. John. Today is episode number 661. It's Meet My Friend Friday. And today, my friend Andre Ivanov, who has started an incredible ministry for teens called Flash Love here in the Portland, Vancouver area, is going to be my guest. And we're going to talk a little bit about what it means to get off the bench and onto the battlefield. Stick around. I know you're going to be encouraged. So a couple of weeks ago, I had the privilege of interviewing my friend Andre. I first met Andre a couple of months before the Homeschool Resource Center opened, and my daughters were telling me, Mom, you got to meet this guy. He has an incredible ability to get a flash mob together, and they will come over, and they can do whatever you need done at the Homeschool Resource Center, and they'll get it done in, you know, just a fraction of the time, because Andre is so well-loved by these kids, and I, I was completely fascinated by Andre, completely fascinated by his ministry. So I started to look it up. Sure enough, this guy is going into public schools and he is having an impact in the lives of the kids that he is reaching in our area. I noticed one time in particular, I think he had a group of eight or nine students attend a city council meeting in Vancouver so that they could see what happens locally and why it's important for them to understand what's happening in our local government here and to get involved. These kids are going out and they're erasing graffiti off of buildings. They're helping old ladies fix leaks in their roofs. They're uh, bringing food to underprivileged families all in the name of the Lord Jesus. And it's an important thing. So I want you guys to listen very carefully to hear the heart of Andre Avanov today as he talks a little bit about his passion for Flash Love and for the community. But before he does, I also want to uh, let you guys know, we love that you are listening to this podcast. We are up to around 43,000 of you who are listening. If this podcast is an encouragement for you, could you do us a favor and rate it and leave a review? We will be so encouraged if you would do that. Those ratings and the reviews in particular help boost iTunes and get it up there so more people can see it and it lets people know what we're doing here at the podcast. It is our hope here at the podcast to encourage you to a place of getting off off the bench and onto the battlefield for the sake of the gospel. We want to speak truth to the culture. We want to have a biblical perspective on everything we do, because at the end of the day, our perspective over here at the podcast, my perspective, Heidi St. John's perspective doesn't really matter all that much. You know whose perspective does matter? the Lord Jesus. His perspective is the one we want to embrace. We want to filter everything that we do through the grid of scripture, and we want to teach our children to do the same. So I hope you guys are encouraged by Andre's uh, example and his testimony today as we listen in to Andre Ivanov, episode number 661, talking about how he came to form the organization Flash Lab. I hope you guys are encouraged. So tell everybody a little bit, first of all, about yourself 
and where you're from and kind of how the Lord put it on your heart. Because really, when I think of warriors in this generation, uh, you're you're on my top 10 list. I know a lot of people haven't even heard of you because they don't they, they live outside the Pacific Northwest, but you are making a huge impact here in the Portland, Vancouver area. Uh, tell me a little bit about where that drive and where that vision comes from. You know, hard times um, create strong warriors mm. you know, on, on, on all sides of the equation, really. And uh, they open up doors for an opportunity. One of the things, you know, that I, that I am, am writing in that is the fact that we have so much stored energy. We have so much potential in our youth. And we're kind of just often brushing them to the side, whether we don't have time or, or we just don't see the potential or, or uh, they haven't, you know, had the opportunity to express, you know, what gifts that they have and they just kind of sit by. Mm -hmm. And unfortunately, it comes to extreme times, extremely, you know, desperate situations for that character, for those, for those uh, um, tools to come out. Mm -hmm. Because eventually someone says, okay, you know what, I'm done waiting for permission from the priest or from mom or from the school teacher or from whoever, from... And then they just thrust themselves forward. Now, when they come out of the gate, they're often... A little wonky. Yeah, definitely (laughs) rough around the edges, you know, and that's how any new leader will emerge onto the stage because they're just shaking off whatever, you know, kind of kept them down Mm -hmm. and then, you know, starting to make sense. Mm Mm-hmm. And so you really have a passion to go into, you've been going into school systems, you get, tell everybody about uh, Flash Love, because this is kind of a unique, I'd love to see people do this all around the country, because these kids love and respect you, and pretty much if you say, hey, we're going down to Hawthorne, and we're going to paint graffiti for the next five hours, you bring your speakers and your loud music and all the stuff they need, and they you're like the Pied Piper for a lot of like high school kids I around go here. That far, but <laughs> <laughs> um, you how know, did the, how did you start that? What was the vision behind Flash Lab? You know what i what I've come to realize is if you give them the time and you light them up by casting that vision for them of mm-hmm. what they're of what they're capable of, yes. of what impact they can leave. They begin to adopt it and assume them for themselves. Um, a little bit of history about myself: uh, I am and my family are uh, immigrants from the former, uh, what used to be the Soviet Union. Um, I was born in Kiev, Ukraine. Um, ah, my and, son just came back from Kiev. Yeah, yeah, wow. Yes. <laughs> um, so uh, we immigrated here uh, to this amazing country, the United States, in uh, 1990. And uh, you know, growing up in a big family, I had. Uh, Seven, six siblings that came here with me, and then six more were born here. Oh my goodness! Yeah, we call it soft invasion. You know, do not be alarmed. Right. <laughs> yeah, soft no, invasion. No, but they're they're all incredible. You know, just uh, uh, people. You know, my, my my siblings. They are. You know, and, and self sufficient and self aware. You know, and just we, we really just just had a good you know um, upbringing. And of course, you know, we're thankful to the American people for giving us this chance mm-hmm. for adopting us into this country. You know. And, that's we've, refreshing. We've we've grown up. Uh, thank you. <laughs> we've grown up, you know, with this with this desire to you know to give back, you know, in in, in many ways, you know, and and uh, as the time came, um, I remember being in my uh, later twenties and just really becoming you know frustrated with the the stuff that I would see with the youth. I would hear, you know, I just like. It's like I just left, you know, my youth, right? Uh, meaning my mm-hmm, teens, right? Mm-hmm. And then, so I'm, I was kind of like in the middle of this thing, and then, and then I'm beginning, you know, beginning to hear 
um, what so-called adults were saying about about the youth. I remember being young, and I remember like one of the most difficult things as a guy. Now I'm speaking from you know from a guy's perspective. I, I remember how difficult it was for me to not be taken seriously. Um, and you know anyone can rationalize. Oh, you're too young. You don't have experience. You don't have this. You don't know how. You don't have that. But I had so much that I wanted to share, and often it was just kind of just you know um, brushed to the side, kind of like you know what do you know. Um, and so at the same time as I, you know, or as I was feeling that and kind of coming off of that, you know, reality, cause I'm growing older, you know, finally growing a beard. I mean, goodness <laughs> gracious, you know, I mean, that was a big step in my life. And, uh, that de- one went on your calendar. It, it definitely was, you know, it was, it was better than 21. Um, and, uh, I, I then, you know, continuously hear, uh, from, from parents or from you know, friends of theirs, or even just people, you know, from the side. Oh, you know, when we were their age, we used to this, we used to that. We and and I, I would always think, always think like, well, if you used to do those things, then maybe you should show us. There you go. If you if you talk about the good old days, then maybe you should do something. Maybe you should lead us into mm-hmm. that. Maybe you should kind of you know open that door. You know, mm-hmm. um, and so the defining moment, you know, for for any person, yeah. know, in the United States, anyone who's self aware who has asked themselves this question, why am I here? And I think so many people are, are still confused about that. They don't know why they're here. Mm-hmm. They're waiting for someone to ordain them. They're waiting for someone to give them permission. permission. I'm talking mm-hmm. adults. Mm-hmm. I know. So it's, you know, I mean, I, I'm, I'm really simplifying it here. But, it, but again, it, for us, it was like, it was that moment, you know, and then we decided, you know what, let's put it, let, let's put together an event and let's focus on a, a uh, someone in the community that could really use, you know, this help. And let's see where this goes. You know, we had no, again, no intention of starting a nonprofit. We had no intention of even taking this further. We just wanted to do something. Mm-hmm. It was a reaction. So we went and um, uh, talked to um, a group of elderly people in like a lower, in, I guess I could call it lower income community. It was like in, you know, elderly people, uh, disabled folks there. Mm-hmm. Um, it wasn't like a community home or anything. It was just right. a small, old, old neighborhood. Right. Um, and it was around, you know, like the fall season. Um, and we just, uh, you know, went and knocked on a few doors and asked them. You so, know, you, so you're knocking on random people's doors now. This is how it starts. Okay. It, it, it really does. You know, I, and, I mean, I've <laughs> you're had, making me feel like such a slacker. I've had so many, <laughs> so many times where I'm walking up to either a door of a, you know, just a common citizen or to a door of a government building talking to a social worker. And, yeah. And right before I enter, I'm like, man, I'm really doing this, huh? <laughs> and then I come out. You're getting of there, off the bench. I come, many times, <laughs> yeah, sometimes I think I'm kicked off the bench, you know, <laughs> and pushed in the field. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, it, it, but but it takes that that discomfort or that just area where you're you're out of your zone, right? Well, it's risky. I think, I think uh, people who want to make a difference have to be willing to take a risk. You risk rejection. You're going to risk getting people in your life that bring their mess with them, right? They're going to bring the mess of their family with them or the mess of their history with them. And really, that's what Jesus did, Yes, right? Yes. He came and he, he he entered like absolutely fully 100% into our mess. And he made a difference by the way that he interacted with people, by the way that he showed that he loved them. And really, that's what you're doing. Well, if you think about it, he really crossed so many social norms. I mean, he talked to women. Back then, there's no way, especially if you had a rabbi title, you know, looming over your head. God forbid, you you weren't able to. So just to put it into context, I mean, he broke so many social norms. Yeah. While the Pharisees or these educators, you know, you know, 
uh, in the church or whatever, they they hunt out in certain places. They spend time with certain people, mm-hmm. and God forbid you mm-hmm. be seen not only with women but with the dealers, with mm-hmm. the you know tax all, collectors, yeah, yeah, all the rough people in in town. And he yeah. chose to. He chose mm-hmm. to. You know, speaking about um, risk. I think this is one of the most shackling um, elements that hold back men. And I'm not talking weak men. I'm talking all men. Mm -hmm. I had to literally overcome the reality that I'm putting myself into these circumstances that at any time, anyone can give an accusation and then just push that on me and then have me try to back paddle. Mm-hmm. I had to come to a to a point in my life where I said, you know what? I don't care what they say. I know who I am. I know what my character is. And I go, I walk into schools. I'm a lunch buddy, you know, at, at different schools um, because I want to know what they're teaching in schools. I want to be there for those little guys because they always attach me to these little guys, you know. Uh, mm. Right now I have... <laughs> I, it's funny how that all started. A school resource coordinator reached out uh, to me because I volunteered um, in a previous year. And uh, she reached out and asked, hey, can you, uh, you know, work with this fourth grader? His, you know, dad's in prison and um, he's just really kind of struggling. He's a guy in his life, you know. And so I said yes. And then I show up there uh, to this uh, local elementary school here. And then they're like, well, we have these children. Uh, I these, bet. These, these five boys that are just recently uh, from Ukraine and they don't speak a word of English and they have a hard time. So I said, okay, fine, give me those two. <laughs> give those two. So, so, yeah, so I have this one and then a fourth grader, and then I have these five little, you know, chatterboxes uh, uh, the same day, just another hour. Carol was just here talking. She, last week, her podcast aired, and she was talking about becoming a lunch buddy, too. She's like, you just don't realize the impact that you can have by meeting just once a week with these kids over and sharing lunch with them. It's powerful. It they, makes it's life changing. Glued to you, yeah. Like, and you know, I, I don't have my own children. I've grow, I've co raised many my <laughs> my siblings. You know, again, it's it's uh it's having to accept accept the potential risk and just go. Um, you know, today we have evolved into into more than just. I mean, initially people were like, as a matter of fact, even for the first three out of our our almost five years of, of existence, people would ask me, so what is Flash Love? What is this nonprofit that you guys have? Um, and it was hard for me to define it because it was it was evolving. You know, I mean, initially we started, you know, just getting youth, in, you know, engaged and we, we would go out and do these yard service projects or some, you know, single mom would be getting evicted uh, out of an apartment and we would, you know, provide moving service. And then we would be uh, working with another nonprofit that was handing out, you know, uh, putting together, you know, food bags and everything for homeless and then and then uh, low income seniors. So, so it was really hard for us to define ourselves, you know, and, and who we are because I, I knew. I knew what role we were fulfilling, but it was really hard to condense it. Um, so, and your and part it, is really to see these kids become leaders. I mean, ultimately, you're, you're, ultimately, that's what you want. Yes, yeah, see, but that's what I, that that's what is uh, finally turned out to be, or at least that's how I was able to finally define it. We are in the process of building leaders, you know, and, and if I was to say that, most people would just go over their head because they're like, well, what kind of leaders? I mean, like, or how, what kind of, what, what kind of curriculum, you know, are you teaching them? You know, and it's really about being self-aware um, of, of, you know, who they are, why they're here. I'm telling you, so many adults, you can ask that question mm-hmm. um, about what is your purpose? You know, what are you here for? And they'll look at you with this blank stare. Well, you you work a lot with, with kids, and I wonder sometimes something I've been saying for a long time because I keep hearing people talk about the millennials, this generation of kids, and we're so, we're so frustrated by them. We're so frustrated by the socialist movement, right, that seems to be infiltrating the country. These kids don't know. They would they don't understand socialism. They really don't. 
So you, you talk they about no these, they don't have any idea what they're even talking about. But I, I think, and I love to hear your thoughts on this. I think it goes back to the parents. I don't think that you lose a generation of children. I think you lose a generation of parents and you lose a generation of grandparents and then you lose a generation of children. You have parents who are, who are, they basically hit the disconnect button and they don't stay in there with their kids and they don't fight for their kids and they don't lead by example. It's like what you were talking about earlier, sort of the good old days. Um, it's like we're tired. We we're so, uh, this generation of parents so beaten down by the culture and we're dealing with things as parents right now that 20 years ago, we didn't even see coming. We didn't know we we're going to have to talk to our kids about transgenderism and why this isn't okay and why you can't do that. No, for goodness sake, you know, that's a conversation I don't want to really be having. And so what I notice is the phones creep in mm-hmm. and the phone replaces the parents. Mm-hmm. And pretty soon they're not even having conversations with their parents anymore. And so it's this whole big. And so I feel like when I saw what you were doing with those kids and the light in their eyes when they're with you, it, it reminded me they need someone to tell them you have great worth. You have great worth before the Father, and he has he has something he wants for you to do. But it really does take that willingness to get in there and be willing to put yourself out there. And I noticed that you've spent even more time, because you do flash love, but you spend even more time working with, with young men, trying to train them up to be men. Have you noticed sort of an absenteeism in uh, fathers? I mean, what's your experience working with uh, these young boys? What I've, what I've come to realize is how little it takes to get them excited about their future, mm-hmm. how little it takes for them to emulate everything you do. I mean, I remember like the— I'm, Well, that the, can go the, good and bad, can it? Yes. Yeah. Yes. And I'm talking from a, from a self-aware person, you know, who, who chooses to invest into them and, you know, just to really give people, you know, encourage people, you mm-hmm. know. It really doesn't take much for them to begin to, to mm-hmm. pick up things and traits. And, and uh, people, kids, adults, they, they know. There's a, there's, a, there's a barometer inside. Now, it could be muddy. It could, be, it could have so much just garbage on it. And, and it may not you know, work very well. But intuitively, people still know, even, the, even the, the hardest criminals, they know when they do good and when they do bad. Mm-hmm. There's, there's right out of Romans for some people, for some people, they have gray lines. And mm-hmm. I know that as you become more in tune with God, you, those lines become very, very crystal clear, mm-hmm. um, uh, you know, to a very significant point. So to say that it really doesn't take much for someone to rise up, express that passion, show a direction, paint that vision, and then watch people come out of the woodwork right mm-hmm. now. Um, we are, we are, uh, in, in many schools and, and, and this is kind of how we approach this whole idea. Um, I actually got my first round, if I may say of recruits. Um, I was invited to a, to a teens camp. Um, I've never been to camp myself growing up. I mean, my parents couldn't afford it, you know I mean? So we didn't, uh, but we had camp at home every right. day. Right. Every almost. day is a camp when your yeah. family's that big. <laughs> so, so I was invited to, you know, to, to this camp as a, as a counselor. Um, and, uh, they entrusted me with, with, uh, with 14, uh, boys, you know, uh, moment of silence. Yes. Yes. Um, <laughs> the, the, the privilege I've, I've given them at night. I said, you'd be good at, you know, during the day, but at night, you know, it's fair game. Yeah. So they went ready to the kitchen one night. I, I did apologize <laughs> for that. Um, anyway, so, so they entrusted me with these boys. Right. And, uh, and over that course of that, you know, four or five days that we were there at this camp. I was able to, you know, share, you know, some of the things that that really bothered me and things uh, that I wanted to to 
change in, in, in our community first and, and, and then in the world. And I was able to connect with them on a heart level. And after camp, uh, they were able to connect with me. Some of the boys reached out and connected with me. And so I got my first round of so-called recruits, you know, from that. From that, we sat, you know, I, I you know, we started meeting up for, for coffee. You know, I kind of became an uh, unofficial mentor, I guess, to them. And uh, <laughs> I, I uh, put, you know, an idea on the table and, and I had four of them at the time, uh, two initially, and then they invited, uh, you know, two more friends. And, and I asked them, I said, what would you do? Like if I gave you, if I gave you a little bit of money, if I gave you, you know, access to transportation, you know, maybe some connections that you needed, what kind of an event could you put together? You know, at first it was kind of like, you know, is this guy serious? You know, like in, 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 it started a bit slow, but over the course of the next two months, we were able to put together an event that we now call the high school revolution. It's actually a project. And this high school revolution has turned into something to where every single month, these, these high school teens they put together these events and they'll range anything from we'll, we'll go and mob downtown Portland and they'll prepare like a little, you know. Kind of li- flash, kind of flash mob style. Yes, little gifts for the homeless. Yes. And, 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 uh, and the whole idea in that particular event was we, we use every need around us to expose them to, you know, uh, a different type of a person, a person in, in different circumstances. So while they're helping by, you know, giving them this, you know, gift, whether it's, you know, it was, in, in that case, it was socks and, you know, and gloves, you know, and a, it's, it's one of the most needed items, you know, for them. They were able to, you know, wrap that with a little message, you know, and then put, you know, even, you know, candy inside. And, and what they did for them is many of them have never spoken to a homeless person, mm. but they were able to come up to them, you know, and some conversations were very brief. Other conversations led to tears and hugs and, and uh, you know, lasting mm-hmm. impressions. Mm-hmm. So, you know, that was just one. You know, just recently, one of our most recent events, uh, I challenged them uh, to join me for in an all-nighter, you know. And, oh, I've watched you do your all-nighters, dude. Yes. So, so uh, they, you know, they sh- uh, 44 high school kids showed up in a dark church parking lot at 11 o'clock at night. Some of the parents, you know, did did call to interview me. They asked me about my sanity, and yes, I told right, them exactly. I told them it's still there. <laughs> but we're just doing things, you know, unconventionally. You know, they showed up. Uh, we uh, took them to a local grocery store. Um, we loaded up on on uh, food for twenty two families, um, and over the course of the next three hours, they were you know delivering these bags and just putting these grocery bags on on the doorsteps of families that were that were given to us by a school resource coordinator who knew these families and knew the struggles, knew what they were dealing with. And this little uh, gift was, you know, gave them, you know, a bit of hope. Mm-hmm. But every single kid that was there, even though we took him on a sunrise hike right after that to finish off our all-nighter, right, with, uh, with the help of Red Bull um, from Dutch Bros. <laughs> um, when I asked him, how did you like this event and in what part stood out to you? Every one of them still said, we loved, you know, the the grocery bags that yeah. delivering to the families. Yeah. It's that feeling that they're doing something good and they're able to give back yes. to their community. So we just have a couple of minutes left, but I wanted to ask you just really quickly for the parents who are listening to this or for the, there are a lot of teenagers that listen to this from around the world and around the country in particular. If they were to ask you, what can I do? How could I start to make an impact in my community? Just some random person comes and asks you, Mr. Flashlev, uh, that question 
what would you say? Well, there's there's a, there's two parts to this. Um, number one, we're working right now on a, on a plan to actually start doing a bus tour. As a matter of fact, every uh, summer we're going to start uh, doing a bus tour to where we'll hit up multiple towns, completely unsuspected. Most of the events will be done at night, but there will be pre-work done with the youth reaching out to the kids in mm-hmm. those towns. So mm-hmm. there will be like this, you know, anticipation, you know, and prep work already done. We bring some, they'll have some ready. So this is kind of where it, what, what it's going into because we want to kind of start spot hitting. Sure. You know, uh, initially with the Northwest uh, area and then and then uh, down the coast and then sweep across the country. That's that's the big vision. Whoa. Um, in the meantime. Go big or go home, yes, Andre. Yes. In the meantime, <laughs> you know, what I would, what I would say is um, don't hesitate to either hear someone out, see what their need is. Or if you already know someone that has a need, talk to a, a few friends and then paint a vision for them. Say, hey, we're doing this thing. Would you be interested? And, you know, and some people immediately might say like, oh, you know, I don't, I don't have any money for this. Talk to a few adults. Talk to people. When you do that, you will see how many people fall in line, get connected with you, and begin to support you. It's so, so incredible. It's amazing. I'm going to sort of end up this by just reading a little bit of an article that I've read this a couple of times, and it's older. It's from 2013, but it was in the Colombian uh, about Flash Love, and I think sort of the community getting used to who you guys are. Uh, I love how they started off, though. It says it was the best sort of blatant sneak attack. One day in early November, a flash mob arrived on Vancouver's West 23rd Street. But they didn't swarm John Ballpark or shoplift in mass or do any of the other pointless or mischievous things flash mobs have become notorious for doing these days. What they did was clean up the neighborhood. It was very well organized, efficient, and they seemed to have fun doing the job. Thank you for a job well done. That note came from a, quote, very appreciative senior citizen, Ruby, who sent it to the Colombian because she didn't know exactly who she should be thanking. The answer is 29-year-old Andre Ivanov, his seven brothers, and their social circle. Uh, Ivanov and friends were busy feeding hungry people at the Lord's Gym until that food pantry shut down earlier this year. But just because the Lord's Gym is between homes, Ivanov figured that's no reason to stop doing good deeds. Why don't we do something completely spontaneous and crazy with flash mob mentality, he thought. But let's put a positive spin on it. Let's not flash a mob. Let's flash love. I think that's amazing. I think it's amazing. Yeah, it was it was far from well organized, but it appeared that <laughs> but way. But the Lord is doing it. And I think yes. uh, one of the reasons I wanted to have you on the show, and we've gone over today, but one of the reasons I wanted to have you on was because I, you are such a good example, I think, for uh, young people, certainly, but for parents, too, of somebody who sees a need and doesn't just sit there and complain about it. I think there's so, so much complaining happening, so much grumbling and griping, and the, the conversation and the culture has taken such a negative negative turn. You're saying, let's turn that around and do something positive. And we have the opportunity to actually literally impact the lives of thousands of people. Well, Andre, thank you so much for uh, coming on the show today and just talking to people. If you guys want more information about Andre and what he's doing or to get involved and donate to their nonprofit organization, you can find them at flashlove.org. This is Heidi St. John. I appreciate you guys listening today and I'll see you back here on Monday. For more encouragement, visit me online at thebusymom.com.